Welcome back, Crashing the Glass fans. We have returned from our most recent sabbatical, uh, and uh, we apologize we were gone for a couple weeks, but, you know, lives get in the way sometimes. We are back with plenty of basketball to talk about. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend David Rodriguez. David, how you doing? I am uh, I'm hanging in there, Sean. There's free agents flying around left and right. Summer League has started. There's uh, Even though the season's over, there's still plenty of basketball to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this feels like the true busy season for basketball right now. I mean, we're going to hit on so many major storylines, and I think it's safe to just dive right into the big one right away. Uncle Drew the movie came out last week, and uh, I don't I don't know how to put this lightly, but I think it's setting the box office on fire. I yeah, I think it's probably the most transcendent movie since uh, potentially uh, Big Mama's House two, when <laughs> it, people didn't think it would be possible to make a second one. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if you did any reading on it. I I haven't gone to see it yet. But I did do some uh, reading to see what the reviews were like, and mostly I kept reading that it, it's a giant commercial, which is to be expected, and that it is actually a little bit funnier and a little bit better than it has any right to be, even though the story makes no sense and it's a discombobulated mess. It's still just kind of funny. Yeah, I've read similar and seen similar on, on Twitter and social media in general. Um, and I've, part of what I've heard that's actually made it somewhat enjoyable is that they've let uh, Rel do a lot of the comedy as opposed to yes. letting Reggie Miller do jokes. And Nick Kroll. And, I believe yeah, Nick Kroll, they said, had a lot of fun. They're actually funny because I've seen yeah. Lil Rel since back in um, when he, he used to do stand-up uh, way a long time ago. But I also saw him a lot on Friends of the People, which is a uh, yeah. sketch comedy show that actually did pretty well. He's like a legend um, in Chicago like as a stand-up yeah. comedian. He's, so he's, he's huge. He's, he's really funny. Yeah. Nick, uh, Nick Kroll was also in it. And then there's another comedian too, a uh, female comedian. Drawing a blank on the Lisa name. Lisa Leslie? No, no, not Lisa <laughs> Leslie. Um, I apologize. Yeah, I, I, I am drawing a blank, but she's a pretty well-known uh, stand-up comedian as well. The three of them, they said that they really let them sort of run the screen time when they were on it. Uh, and then I also heard that uh, there's a, a good shot of, of Shaq's ass, naked ass, that wow. really got a lot of laughs from the crowd. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but maybe that drives more people to go see it. That's I mean, true, yeah. it is Shaq and his ass. I'm assuming a very big ass. Um, no, but I mean... Getting back on a topic, really the thing that was everybody was waiting for, uh, especially if you watched any ESPN during the during that stretch, was what is LeBron James going to do? Because that decision happened while we were on our break. And lo and behold, he goes where everyone expected him to go months ago. That is the Los Angeles Lakers. Signed a free agent deal, a four-year deal, if I remember correctly. Um, and now that sort of set the tone because immediately all the other dominoes started falling into place once teams knew where LeBron was going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it. You said it. It wasn't necessarily surprising that he signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. What was surprising for me, I guess there was a couple pieces that were surprising. Um, for starters, it happened on the very first day of free agency, whereas in, yep. in previous free agency past, he, you know, notoriously, um, you know, he had the the big decision for the first time, which was a TV special, and it happened uh, at least a handful of days after the. It was opening like a week. Day. It felt yeah, like almost a full I week. Think it was July sixth or seventh around, the, if I remember correctly, um, and then the second round, you know, still taking free agent free agency pitches and then he has that big announcement with uh, the I'm coming home letter and then this time it was very quiet um, he met Magic Johnson at uh, at his home on a, on a Saturday night and there wasn't even any sort of big announcement there wasn't any big letter it was just a simple press release from Clutch Sports his agency essentially saying LeBron James these are some of his accolades has signed a four-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers and then uh, everybody says LeBron kind of shifted off and went back to his European vacation from there um, no sort of announcement and there's no plan to have any sort of press conference with it. 
And it, it, it honestly was just surprising in terms of just the nature of which it happened as opposed to it actually happening. Yeah, but I think it shows uh, the evolution of him as a, an adult. Like, yeah. when he was younger, he wanted the fanfare. He wanted the big spectacle. And then as he started to get a little older, he was more about the sentimentality of going home and those things. And now it's just business. Right. Now it's literally just business to him. The, I mean, we've talked about, I think... The stuff that gets underplayed is how connected he is to Los Angeles and how connected he is to the entertainment industry. He has an office at Warner Brothers on their lot and all of those things. Like he's a man who who's long had his eye on sort of building his long term empire in mm-hmm. LA. And this is just part of that because now it allows him to sort of be there already. Yeah, and he because he didn't even meet with any other teams. Not even like he didn't. Nope. I know he it says that he sent representatives. I think he Philadelphia. had talks. Like that seemed to be more of a calls. formality, but yeah. it didn't seem like there was any. There was no official meetings with anybody outside of Magic Johnson. Um, Cleveland didn't get a meeting, and that was well recorded prior to free agency that they weren't going to get an official meeting. And I guess part of that is LeBron knows what they're going to say, right? Sure. Like, it's, hey, like, well, and I think Cleveland. at this point in his career, he knows what everybody's going to say, and so it was more about like a where do I want to go? He mm-hmm. knows what everybody's rosters are. He's an incredibly intelligent person, so he knows about the skills of all the players on those teams. He's played plenty of them plenty of times. I think he just, at this point, you know, he knows that he's going to have undue influence on the roster if he so chooses to uh, force his will. So whatever the makeup, as long as he thinks that there's something to work with there, then that's fine by him. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I think everyone thought going into this was that Lonzo Ball was probably on the chopping block in some sort of trade scenario. And, uh, and we talked about it a little bit off the air, but there's sort of rumors are swirling that uh, someone from Lonzo's camp leaked that he had a uh, MCL tear prior to the LeBron James announcement. That way he could not be traded as a part of all of this. So that, that, I think, was the only interesting development. Otherwise, their roster pretty much stays the same. Really, the only subtraction that is noteworthy is Julius Randle, correct? Yeah, well, yeah, so Randall signs, and, uh, you know, we'll touch on some of the other signings, but Randall, um, they renounced his rights, and he's with the New Orleans Pelicans right now. Um, so if you're looking at the signing from the Lakers' perspective, it's uh, for starters, it's a no-brainer, right? Like, you're getting the best player in basketball. Uh, but another huge surprise about four this year deal, deal was, was, so it's a three, yes, four-year deal, fourth-year being yeah. a player option, because uh, he never got that commitment uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, nope. and that was part of the reason why... It's you can look at it both ways, right? Like LeBron didn't feel comfortable returning to Cleveland to begin with, with his relationship with Dan Gilbert. If, if you read the reports, like they weren't on a speaking basis for the most part. Um, so to get four years, I guess it's more of a three year deal uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. That's huge because that mm-hmm. shows, hey, listen, I'm going to be here like he doesn't have a choice. Um, whereas with Cleveland, when he kept signing those one on one deals, he could have very well like left after the first season, after the second well, season. Well, that was it. A- it was a trend he started in the NBA. I mean, guys like Kevin Durant followed suit because it's also a way to maximize your value. Correct. Um, so it kind of was one of those things where once he started doing it, other players realized, like, if I'm going to get a max deal no matter what happens, I can blow up my knee and still get a max deal next year, then why am I signing these long-term deals that I don't need that kind of security? LeBron James, if anybody in the league doesn't need that kind of security, it was him. And he just signed a long-term deal. Just we, You know, you don't really know why other than he just wanted to this time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, the, you know, you, you touched on it at the at the beginning of this sort of discussion is that this is a bigger than basketball move. This this has a lot of uh, weight and just impact on his outside life. And it's possible that's one of, that's probably the major reason he agreed to the three-year deal um, with the player option is that he just wanted to be secure. He didn't want this to be a burden year after year. He just wanted to do it. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, the, again, this is a home run for them. I, I was a little curious about a lot of the other signings they made. I don't really understand yeah, a lot I of the mean, players bringing in Rondo they brought in. Rajon Rondo. Um, 
bringing in Lance Stevenson, re-signing Caldwell Pope to a one-year $12 million That one deal. really was a head-scratcher to me. Uh, honestly, I think Caldwell Pope probably makes the most sense because he's a defensive-minded wing who can knock down the three. Um, but the other ones just don't make any sense. They don't help space the floor yeah. at all. Rondo is essentially, you know, him and Lonzo Ball are comparable players to an extent, except I think Lonzo Ball is probably uh, better than Rondo at this point Well, in Kuzma career. is really the guy who you might project to be there for a little bit longer, right? Well, it's I think Kuzma is somebody who I see as having a um, potentially the the highest floor, but Lonzo Ball definitely has a higher ceiling. So sure. I, I think the the variation there is is rather large. I think there's a little bit of uh, I think I mean keep in mind Kuzma is a little bit was a little bit of an older rookie last year too, um, whereas Lonzo Ball's three years younger than Kyle Kuzma. I, I think Lonzo Ball probably still has definitely more upside to me. Um, but do you still think he's in the long-term plans of the organization at this point, Lonzo Ball, or do you think that they may want to shake him loose whenever that's possible? I think a lot of it is just it, it depends on how he projects this year. So assuming he's still on the roster, because remember, keep in mind he was injured for a good portion of last year. He still showed a lot of positive signs. He was still mm-hmm. proving to be one of the better defensive guards, point guards in particular in the NBA. Um, his length can't be taught. You can't. You just can't Correct. teach length like that. Uh, his passing is for real. We saw that from pretty much day one in summer league that he was a legitimate passer. Uh, his rebounding is elite for a guard at this point, absolutely. And the the biggest question mark really comes down to can he hit a shot? He, he couldn't shoot to save his life last year. Correct. But we do see that with a lot of uh, young players. Um, and unlike someone like Ben Simmons, like he at least he took those three point shots. He continued to take them. And he might have worse mechanics than Ben Simmons, which is hard to say. Like he might, but it's not. It's it's not often players become worse shooters after entering the league. Correct. It, it's it, it's something that it can happen, uh, but it doesn't happen often. So you have to assume that he, uh, at, even if he plateaus, then at least we know this is the player he is, but he's not going to be a worse shooter, I don't yeah. think. So it's, it's he will be a serviceable, serviceable, serviceable piece no matter what, it sounds like. Um, obviously, this was sort of the first domino. A lot of things started happening afterwards. Notable ones is that Chris Paul signed his long-term deal with the Rockets, and really, the only thing that surprised me with the Rockets was that they didn't want to go further into the luxury tax and retain Trevor Ariza's uh, services. He now goes signs with uh, the Suns, was it? Yeah, so he, he signed pretty quickly with the Phoenix Which Suns. Which makes no sense from the Suns' perspective. They are full of athletic wings who need minutes, and they signed a veteran who's going to take a lot of those minutes. But more importantly, from the Rockets' perspective, he's a really important piece for them on defending other elite wings in the NBA, and they now don't have him. Yeah, I think Houston's one of the teams right now. If, if I had to group the teams into different tiers, I'd put Houston on the, the kind of the, the risky, you got to watch what you're doing sort of side uh, for a couple reasons. One, you meant you just touched on losing Trevor Reeves. So that's a big loss because you just, you can't, you're not going to find a player like that. Those 3 and D players are at a premium. And even though it's a one year deal, uh, you have to wonder if, if, like, what, what Houston doesn't necessarily have a plan to replace him right now. No. Um, no, they signed somebody, but it wasn't anybody that uh, I thought was a legitimate. So they signed Michael Carter Williams, yeah, which is kind of weird because he can't shoot to say. Yeah, I mean, we that's on what Lonzo I mean. Ball. Like it's not a, it's not like a. That's not a solution. That was just like a. Well, he also plays small forward, and it's like, well, yeah, but that's not the kind that you need. Right. Um, but in, and then the other side of it, obviously, we talked about it at length. Was, there's risk signing Chris Paul to a four-year, hundred and sixty million dollar deal. Your cap is now evaporated, and it's a lot of it's placed in a guy who has a lot of trouble staying healthy and who is, um, based off of his injury history, likely not going to age well. Yeah, it's, it was a, it's, a, it's a risk to sign him to that max sort of contract because we touched on it. I would I would have tried to find some sort of happy medium with a potentially, uh, you know, like a, at least a year or less, like a three-year deal because paying Chris Paul um, when he's in his late 30s upwards of $40 million seems like a huge risk. He's still an elite player, but he's still 
Excuse me, he still has injury concerns. It seems a like a lot year of after injury year. concerns. Like he's out for a third of every season. It feels like. And I, I just, I, I am worried about that. Um, and I don't know. I'm like going back to the Trevor Reza sign. Like I just, I think that seems... knocks them out from a championship contending team to now that second tier. Like I think that they went from the, you know, right there with gold with Golden State of uh, they legitimately could do this. You know, if things fall right, things break right, they have a shot at knocking them off. Do I think they're now a step back? I don't think they're in that top tier anymore. Yeah, I think it's a it's a loss. I mean, they're still if you look all at all of our money, they they're already committed so deep into money. Why are you not willing to pay a little extra? I know you're in the luxury tax and that sucks, but that's the price you have to pay if you're going to sign all these guys to big money. There's no point in signing Chris Paul that mega deal if you're not willing to spend the extra to keep the team, the other important pieces on that team. Yeah, because unless they have some sort of plan B that just hasn't really come through, but I don't see anything right now. Because um, keep in mind, uh, so they they don't have uh, they lost Trevor Ariza, uh, Luke Rashad and Mamute, their other sort of defensive minded swing uh, three player. Is still a free agent right now. They brought back Gerald Green, um, but Clint Capella, who you know I'm really high on, he's still kind of sitting on the market right now. Correct. And I, I, we touched on this earlier in terms of how restricted free agents are going to struggle to get deals. And my assumption is, um, just looking around the league right now, there isn't really a team that desperately needs a center. The only be- the, probably the best option for him would have been Dallas, but they scooped up DeAndre Jordan pretty quick. So right now, hilariously so. Yeah, I, I don't. I it's talk almost about just that like later, a revenge but, thing. Um, but it just. So you have to assume that Clint Capella wants Houston to pay him because he is one of the better young centers in the league. And Houston's looking around at the market saying, like, go get your offer. We'll we'll match that because they don't necessarily want to continue to dive themselves deeper into this tax. So I Clint assume Capella's someone like the Kings players, are just going to end up saying F it. Like the Kings are missing out on other guys. They might just say screw it and try and, not, and, try and throw him the offer. Yeah. I mean, it's not that they don't. It's not that they need him, but no, like I mean, uh, they just drafted a center. I know, but I mean, at this point, it, it might just be sort of a saving face thing from them. They've got the space. It's not like Clint Capella is going to make you worse. Yeah, I mean, my gut is that it is similar to a lot of these restricted free agents, Capella is just going to come back on the qualifying offer. Maybe if he doesn't see, which is amazing. I uh, thought he was a lock to get a a max restricted free agent deal. I yeah, thought he was it, a lock for it. It's just it's it's part of the market, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but. Houston, I, I, I that would be a godsend for Houston as far as their financials are concerned. Though it does set them up to lose him pretty easily the following correct. year. Yeah. So uh, again, these are a lot of domino decisions they're making that I think are going to end up to their demise quicker than they anticipate. And I think they're already out of true contention this year. Yeah, I mean we'll see. But um, as of right now, I definitely put Houston in the loser category if I had to group them accordingly. And then the next big domino I think that's easy to jump to is that the other player who a lot of people thought might end up in L.A. this offseason is Paul George. He returns to the uh, Thunder on a four-year, $137 million deal. Uh, they announced it at a party that Russell Westbrook hosted, a concert party. Um, Nas was there. Nas was there. I mean, there was he a lot was of people there. Performer. It sounded well, like was a pretty cool performer. place. Nas was the lead performer there. Yeah, it, was, it sounded like a pretty legit, legit, yeah. legit party to go to. But uh, just surprise, I guess a little surprising just because it had always felt like he was a lock to end up in L.A., but Oklahoma City ultimately does seem to persuade him that this is the place for him long term, which is I actually like. I think that's cool because, you know, I, I always want that franchise to do better than they've than they've been able to do. Um, and there's a, there's that bit of revenge factor of Kevin Durant spurred you know spurned them, and so now it's kind of like you'd love for them to someday be able to knock off Golden State. That being said. I don't know how good I think that team is going into next year because the. The question they haven't been able to answer yet is how the hell do you get Carmelo Anthony off of that roster? 
because he picked up his player option for $29.2 million, I believe. Uh, and that is a very heavy anchor on that team. Um, from a minute standpoint, from a money standpoint, from a team chemistry standpoint, I mean, it is weighing them down. And any chance you have of that true core of Westbrook, George, and Adams of really taking off, you need to replace Carmelo and his money with a useful player at probably a, a lighter deal. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they aren't... They're not really going to have any options, I'm guessing. Well, there's talk um, of a buyout, there's talk of a trade, and then Buyout's the only option, I think. I, I agree, because who's going to take them? Unless somebody's trying to take on an expiring deal to clear cap space. Which, uh, with that at that money, I don't really... Uh, I don't see... Could you see the, sh- the Bulls doing it? I mean, I know the Bulls have some cap space. They could just take them for a year and... and they don't and have enough cap space, especially if they, if they match the Zach Levine contract, which I know, I know we'll touch on yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, they're, I didn't know if they, they had enough left. Space, no, they don't you know? have enough. Okay. Um, I just, I don't, I think, you know, we always talk about players and I think it's important to look at them this way um, when you're evaluating trades and, and such uh, as an asset in terms of it's a positive asset, it's a negative asset. Carmelo Anthony, I know it's a one-year deal. That's a strongly oh, a, negative asset. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So if Oklahoma he's gonna City... He's going to wreck whatever chemistry you're trying to work on. He's going to wreck it in the process because not that I think he can't be a good teammate. It's that he's going to go into it upset. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to go into it with a really bad attitude and he doesn't want to be there and that he's just trying to get through the year to next year. So even though I think he has the capacity to be a good teammate, I don't think he will be a good teammate no matter what happens with a trade in this scenario. The only way he will end up quote unquote happy is with a buyout where he gets most of his money and then gets to pick his next destination. Yeah, which I think is ultimately what's going to happen. Because um, even if he were traded and it was a, let's say he does get traded to a team like the Bulls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the intent of them immediately buying him out, I think it's going to take multiple first round picks probably for Oklahoma City to uh, offload that contract. And I think they're they're better off working out some sort of buyout or some sort of stretching. Because uh, if, if you've seen the reports, like stretching Carmelo Anthony saves them close to $100 million of taxes, yeah. which is absurd it's to crazy. think about. I think it's 107. Mm-hmm. That's how much money they could do with stretching is how much it would save them, $107 million. So that's my best get is that. But how know, do you not at that point? That's, if you're the yeah. ownership group, how do you not say, right. okay. He, he clearly just didn't mesh well. Um, he was never happy. Uh, he I mean, even if you read a lot of his recent quotes, he talked about how he tried to buy in and it just didn't work out. He wasn't that sort of sit back and be a three-point shooter, just catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, Which I still don't think. I still I still argue that he didn't have to be that. It's just what he chose to do ultimately. Well, I think there were it, better ways. It's tough because, you know, especially in that Oklahoma City theme where they're, they are ball-dominant players. In particular, yeah. Russell Westbrook has the ball the majority of the time. Um, Paul George has the ball a lot of time when yeah. Westbrook doesn't. So that doesn't leave a lot of uh, just playmaking Carmel Anthony opportunities. Because if, especially if you're uh, Billy Donovan and you're the Oklahoma City like team, you want those guys to have the ball. Yes. You don't want Carmelo Anthony going isolation for 20 I mean, it minutes is, doing it is jab clear. steps. For their team chemistry and their success going forward, they probably could use more just 3 and D guys to surround them, as many as they can possibly get. I'm just saying that I, I do question whether he just soured early and then sort of didn't give it his all as the season went on. Mm-hmm. That that was my takeaway, because I did expect more out of Melo this past year. Yeah, I think it's clear that he thinks he's better than he probably actually is to, the, to everyone else. Um, and I think he needs to change his mindset. He still thinks... Based off of all his quotes, he still thinks he's that same Carmelo Anthony who can get you, you know, like low 20s on efficient shooting um, based off of isolation play. But that's just not the type of player he is anymore. If any, if last year is any indication. And it's not the type of player that any team's going to want to acquire. Like nobody's going to want to bring him in on a mega deal and just hand him the ball 40 times a game and let him work it out on the wing. Mm-hmm. That's not what anybody wants. 
where do you think he ends up? Say he gets stretched. Where do you think he goes if he signs that? If he signs his own deal? Uh, my gut is probably Houston. I think there's a, there's definitely a fit for him there. Um, I think he can really. Yeah, I think there's a there's a clear fit for him there. Um, he's friends with Chris Paul. Well, I get that. Uh, they they still have part of their exception that they can use up to give. I don't know, I don't know how much he's. Gonna, I don't know what his goal is. Right, if he wants to go to a winner or if he wants to try to make as much money as he can, because I don't think there's going to be a ton of money for him to make out there. But if he agrees to some sort of like one year five million dollar contract in Houston, paying giving them the taxpayer mid level, I could easily see him taking that and just. But kinda you going. think going from one team with two ball dominant players go to another team with two ball dominant players is the right move? I mean, what does he want? If he, no, if I'm not he wants, saying what he wants, but I'm saying from Houston's perspective, you think that's the move they're going to want to make? You think I that's, think it's worth the risk. I absolutely really? do. Yeah, I think it's absolutely worth the risk, especially if you factor in losing Ariza. I know Carmelo Anthony isn't the same defensive player. He's not going to defend that way. By any yeah. stretch. But, I mean, look at what Kevin, or Kevin, uh, Trevor Ariza um, did in Game 7 last year. Like, he, he was like over 10 from 3 or something like that. Like, Carmelo Anthony's going to, you know, he's not going to do much worse, right? Like, it's, it's hard to do worse <laughs> than that. Uh, so I think it's definitely a worthwhile risk for Houston. All right, all right, that's fair. Um, and keep in mind, Mike D'Antoni is Houston's coach, which is which was one of uh, Carmelo Anthony's most successful seasons over in the New York Knicks too. So he does correct. there is familiarity there. Um, uh, what what else do you want to jump to next? Because there's a lot of things. There's the uh, Aaron Gordon deal. Avery Bradley signs a deal. There's the one that upset everybody in the league, which is Demarcus Cousins. Maybe that one's a good place to go to next. Can I give you a a, a player we just talked about, but a um. Uh, what's the term? Like the conspiracy theory on, on a oh, contract? Oh, yes. I love conspiracy so this is really theories. Brief, really brief. Um, Paul George has had a lot of knee injuries. Uh, so I think part of the reason why he wanted to lock in this four-year max deal where he could get the most money with Oklahoma City Thunder. Because he's eligible for like some sort of extension that would make it like a $200 million deal, right? Well, he, he could have done that if he had signed a two-year deal, gotcha. which is what a lot of people thought he was going to do, whether he went to L.A. or he stayed in OKC. Gotcha, gotcha. A lot of people just assumed he was going to sign a two-year deal because that would have given him um, 10 years in the league, which makes him eligible for that uh, the five year max, mega max contract. Yeah. Um, but by signing this four-year deal, I openly think that he was trying to maximize his dollar income, which is great for him, uh, because I do think that there may be more going on with some of his knee issues than might be publicly known. He's had knee issues in the past, right? I'm not talking like the broken leg. Like no, 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 this past year, knee. That this was like a year, fibia or something. Or yeah, tibia, so this past year, he uh, like he had another knee surgery. Uh, I'm really wondering if there's more to it, because if you're looking at it from a dollar standpoint, like why wouldn't you just sign that two-year deal? Uh, two plus one, right? Sign the two-year guaranteed deal with the player option, decline that player option, and then sign for your big contract, which you assume Oklahoma City or even another team would potentially give him, assuming he's still playing at an it's elite interesting. level. I so wonder, that's, that's I wonder what Westbrook is aware of in that scenario, if he's not aware of any of it, is he's just... I mean, Westbrook did something similar, right? Like, he signed that crazy five-year deal where he's going to get paid upwards of forty over $40 million near the end of it. If I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Westbrook's type of player type, like he's a 28, 29-year-old guy who, who's primarily based off athleticism. Uh, the end of that contract's probably not going to look too pretty Correct. either. So it's possible. So Oklahoma they're both just City hoping to get just, two good years out of it, yeah, and then just they'll they'll basically play like geriatric basketball right, after yeah. that. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong because I don't want to root for player injury, but it's yeah, just yeah. It's, it's something it's I was thinking about. Interesting, if nothing else. Let, yeah, let's jump to the Demarcus Cousins things next because that upset a lot of people with the cries for balance in the league. Um, Demarcus Cousins signs a one-year deal uh, deal for five point three million dollars to basically come off the bench for the Golden State Warriors, and you know there was the instant outcry of. You know, there they go again. They're just an all-star team. This isn't fair. It already, you know, basically decides the NBA championship next year and all that stuff. I actually had a different takeaway on it because I think I think it's a 
you could argue it might be a negative signing for Golden State because I worry that, one, you're not going to see the guy till Christmas, right? Two, at the no, earliest. At the earliest, you're not going to see him till Christmas. Two, nobody ever comes back ha- even decent in their first year after an Achilles injury. You know, never mind recovering 90% of what they used to be. Like, they struggle to even be relatively useful at all in that first year back after an Achilles injury. And then three, he's not exactly known as a good team chemistry guy. So if you bring him back and he struggles down the stretch and into the playoffs, and then he is upset and helps tank team chemistry because they admitted that they had team chemistry issues behind the scenes last year, I mean, that that could be some cracks in the foundation for Golden State. I just don't know if that was the right signing for them considering they had to let go of guys like JaVale McGee, who I know that he's not, you know, he's not the best player, but he did fill a role and did fill a, a, a need for them off the bench and really their bench is kind of one of the things that makes them so amazing was that they could always transition to a bench that was better than anybody else's in the league sure if DeMarcus Cousins is regular DeMarcus Cousins then yeah they're the best bench in the league still but given that he's not even going to be physically able to stand on the floor until well into the season and then you have no idea what he's going to be like when he finally gets on the floor that's a heck of a risk mm-hmm. yeah it's it, I look at the signing and I think it's I'm okay with it all around. I'm okay with Oklahoma, or excuse me, uh, Golden State Warriors signing him. Um, I'm okay with him choosing to go there. And yeah, he wasn't I'm getting okay. a lot of offers. I think the Celtics were the only team that really offered. They didn't him offer either. him anything because uh, yeah, all the reports are is that he expressed interest, and by the time Celtics reached out, he had already agreed to do to a deal with the uh, Golden State Warriors. And I just want to make this clear, right? Demarcus Cousins being on the Golden State Warriors is not going to determine whether or not they win the NBA championship next year. Correct. I'm he may not even get a lot of minutes. That. Jordan Bell is already going to be the one behind uh, Draymond Green. I mean, they can cycle him in, but there's going to be a lot of big men because yeah. you don't know if Zaza Pachulia is back. And then they also get Damian Jones. Like, there's a lot of big men on that bench now. Yeah. And uh, so let's let's think about sort of the signing and in, in, in terms of, like, the, the fairness element that you touched on. And I don't really see an issue with it. You touched on, like, He's not going to be here until you know late December at the earliest. Um, you, you've also brought up like the the history of this injury. Let's talk about some of the big men. So like Mehmet Okur, who's a seven footer, who had this injury. He genuinely like I think he played twenty games after he had it and just never played again. Um, Alan Brand is probably the most famous player in, within well, the past like, fifteen P- years. His PER was like identical to Demarcus all the way through until the injury, and then you saw what happened to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was out, yeah. almost out of the league in a couple of years after yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was terrible. he was definitely a serviceable player, but he wasn't the same guy. No. There's no question about that. He was a um, he was a franchise player before that injury. He was legitimately a franchise player mm-hmm. and he was borderline starter, most likely role player after that and then yeah. shortly after that out of the league. And these are big guys, right? Like yes. this is what they do. And if you look at some of the more like recent wing type players, um Wesley Matthews hasn't been the same player. Like he signed a huge deal with the Dallas Mavericks. He's definitely been a, a net negative for them. Correct. Uh, Rudy Gay is probably, even though I, th- I think he's, he's, you know, he's in, he was inefficient last year, but in terms of athleticism, I think he's just a freak, uh, freak athlete. Correct. He, really he can't still looks to other players. close to his old self. He just, you know, his bad, his bad decision making is always his, his real Achilles heel. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that hasn't gone away. He didn't suddenly learn to curb that though. He did just resign to the Spurs, I believe for 10 mil. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking around the league... Kobe Bryant also was not... I mean, I know he yeah, was a lot older when it old. happened, but he did not look even remotely the no. same afterwards. So I, so if you're looking around the league, like... Historically, I can't name a guy who came back all the way themselves afterwards. No. But, but if you're, So if you're looking around the league right now and you're upset at all these teams for allowing DeMarcus Cousins to go to the Golden State Warriors, like, why? if you're, if you're one of these playoff teams, or even if you're like a, a young team, 
Why would you give DeMarcus Cousins guaranteed money? Um, especially if you don't, like, why, first off, you're not going to give him a long-term deal. Like, I think it's pretty safe to say, like, there's Correct. no, it's too much of a risk to give him a three to four year deal. So why would you give him guaranteed money for a one year contract if he might not even help you this year? Whereas if you're the Golden State Warriors, you have nothing to lose by giving him this contract. Because who are you going to fill with that five and a half million dollar exception right there? Um, if you look around the league, like last year they signed Nick Young. I think this is probably a, a you know a higher ceiling to, uh, sure, sort of sure, signing sure. than Nick Young was. Uh, he gives you a different element. Let's say he comes back later in the season and he's able to. He's not the same player, but he's at least able to be twelve and seven. Somewhat of a you know a clearly like he, he has a similar sort of play style that gives you an element to add in the playoffs when teams go big against you. But if you're looking at this prime Golden State Warrior team, I touched on how he's not going to be the difference between whether or not they win or lose. Is he even in the closing five lineup? That sort of death uh, oh God, Hampton no. five lineup no. that has uh, Clay, Steph, Durant, Draymond, and Iguodala. Like I don't think he's making that sort of five close that five man closing lineup. Like this isn't. I, I just don't see this as that big of a deal. I don't. I like you can't get upset at teams for not offering him contract. Like who the hell is going to pay him this money? No. Like there's no reason to pay him. It's too much of a risk. Um, if you're Demarcus Cousins too, like uh, there are reports and murmurs that. Oklahoma, or excuse me, the I keep saying Oklahoma City. I don't know why. Mm. The New Orleans Pelicans had offered him something in the range of two years, forty million dollars, so two, uh, twenty million dollars per year, um, prior to the free agency starting, and he left the contract on the table. And then when he came back, they said, "No, like we're moving on. Like that was the, the, that was the offer at the time. We've moved on to other priorities." And he didn't take that contract, uh, which I think he'll probably regret. He might end up regretting that definitely because I don't that's know 40 if he's going to get guaranteed. forty million. I mean, he might get forty million. Throughout the rest of his career, but you're talking over the next two years guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That's going to be hard. To, I mean, you're already you're already minus fifteen million dollars for this year alone. Never mind, you're not making up thirty-five million next year magically. Yeah. So you're already going to lose out on money-wise on that deal. Right, and so I think that if you're Marcus Cousins, this is the best deal to take. I don't, I don't I'm not upset at other teams for not signing him. I don't even think he fits their play style particularly no. well. Uh, part of his biggest probably drawback on being on the court is he doesn't run back on defense. We saw this time and time again in New Orleans as well as Sacramento previously. And that's all Golden State does, right? Like that's how they succeed. And they, he likes to work on the block. Like that's that's like he's a classic big man in that sense. And that's not really that style they play. I'm more interested in the impact this has on the Pelicans. Um, because I, one, I think I think they probably technically dodged a bullet in not signing him to that two-year $40 million deal. But at the same time, what does this mean for Anthony Davis's future there? Because he truly loved playing with DeMarcus to the point where he wore DeMarcus's jersey in the All-Star game. Like, he he thought that that was the way forward for that team. Mm-hmm. And I admit, in, when they were clicking together, they looked really damn good. But now, I mean, Rondo's gone. DeMarcus Cousins is gone. They brought in uh, Julius Randles. But I don't know that if I'm Anthony Davis, I feel all that great about where we're headed and you know, a disgruntled Anthony Davis could eventually try and force his way out of town. Yeah, so let's look at who they picked up. So you touched on Julius Randle. They also signed Alfred Payton to a Which, little above the minimum deal, if I He's like a correctly. worse version of Rondo. Um, I don't know if I like that either. Yeah, but he's still youngish. He's still 23 off the top of my head. Uh, so let's look at how they played last year. They were one of the fastest paces in the NBA. They hauled ass up and down the court. Julius Randle fits that style for sure. He was a little bit of a ball hog last year in Los Angeles, but he really did put up good numbers, in particular in the second half of the season when they started him. So if you add somebody who can dribble up down the court, um, I know DeMarcus Cousins is comfortable with the ball. Julius Randle can actually run with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's he's a really good passer as well, which Boogie is as well. But again, he works better in the half court. So I'm wondering, honestly, if this does help um, their 
just their offense flow a little better with this sort of big man. So we'll see. Because uh, I think this is, you're right, this is absolutely a pivotal point for well, I mean, Anthony I guess, Davis and his relationship with the, with the in particular, the front yeah, office. I, I get what you're saying, that they, they're everything might run a little smoother with sort of the direction they're headed, but do you think that their ceiling is as high as it, as it was with, with DeMarcus on the roster? Because I think that's ultimately the, you know, if they are one seed better because they run a little better as a team, I don't think that's going to appease Anthony Davis. If you could at least tell me that, if I'm Anthony Davis and I feel like if everything goes really well this season, we're a top three team, then I feel like staying is worth my time. If you're telling me that we're now the sixth seed because everything's just a little bit tighter with this ragtag group of free agents I brought, you know, we brought in, I don't know if that's what's going to make me want to stay. No, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Listen, uh, I'll say this. A, De- a healthy DeMarcus Cousins is better than Julius Randle. Um, <laughs> he's a better, I think it's uh, at the bare minimum, it's definitely a more it's more of a matchup you have to kind of consider if you're an opposing team. And I think a healthy DeMarcus Cousins definitely gives this team a higher ceiling. However, that isn't the case. So I think this is definitely getting him on a two-year deal for roughly $24 million, I think is a definitely a better option than trying to bring back Boogie, which is a, a higher risk. Because I think if you commit, if they if Boogie does sign that contract and you commit two years, uh, $20 million per Knowing that the first Cousins, year is almost non-existent. Too. Right, knowing that the first year is going to be strictly a rehab year. And then if he comes back for the playoff stretch, which hopefully you're still in, then you, you know you, you kind of have to throw them in to important games because um, this Western Conference in particular didn't get any worse. It's, if anything, it's it might have gotten even better, uh, especially with the addition of LeBron going to LA. Because you have to assume that makes them a you know a team that's at least battling for one of the playoff seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be harder for them to get in. So without Boogie Cousins, uh, I, if they just kind of stood pat and they let's say or let's say they did bring back Boogie Cousins and they kind of stayed pat everywhere else, I'm wondering if that you know if that in particular with the LeBron signing, if they aren't a playoff team as a result. So I think bringing in Julius Randle at the bare minimum, it makes them more competitive uh, for the present. Yeah, I would agree there. Uh, I did want to go next to a bit of a head-scratching move, and that was, we hinted at it before, but the Kings signed uh, Zach Levine to a four-year $80 million offer sheet, and the Bulls chose to match. And we we talked a little bit of it kind of pre-recording here, but I do not care for this move if I'm the Bulls. Um, I understand why they did it, and I think you're going to touch on why they did it. But I think that strictly on a way that this impacts your cap and what you've essentially put your flag into the ground for and said that this is the path forward, I don't I don't think that that was the best decision. So why did they do it? Uh, well, Sean, they're signing a 22-year-old, one of the most athletic swingmen in the league who's... Uh, just got the highlight reel to, to save a lifetime. Former dunk champion as well, may I add. There's your answer. That's not why they did it. You know that's not why they did it because they, he did not look that great last year. No. Uh, coming back in his uh, for, you know post-major uh, knee injury, he he was not a what you would call a good or great player. He was just a guy who showed you occasional flashes and missed a lot of shots mm-hmm. despite still being a 22-year-old with – with a good upside. I mean, that's the only saving grace in this. all this is that his upside is still somewhat there. Like, you can still tell yourself that he could play into this. Yeah. But if you were to place a bet on that right now, you would not place your bet saying that he's going to f- fulfill all that potential you originally believed. Yeah, so you're right. Uh, if you're the Bulls, you're hoping that uh, Zach Levine isn't a finished product. Correct. Because you're hoping you, he defies the odds, yeah. essentially. And last year, for the most part, was a throwaway year, right? Like, the team wasn't competitive. Um, he came back and played 24 games, 
because he had a major ACL tear like this, yes. which is understandable. So you yes. have to assume the first year. I think it's 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 definitely a positive sign for Chicago that you were able to get him in your, um, for the last quarter of the season to at least work off some of that rust, get the understanding of the offense, work with um, like on the head coach's name right now, uh, but just getting into the flow of things and just kind of seeing. Uh, or at least confirming that he's at least healthy to play basketball, which was apparent was the case, right? He played 24 games, uh, over 27 minutes per game, but his offense just was really inefficient, um, which is kind of what he was built off of to begin with. So if you're if you're Chicago right now, you're kind of saving face on the trade, which I know is what you were hinting at yes. earlier, the Jimmy Butler trade, which ended up being uh, Jimmy Butler going from Chicago to Minnesota. They swapped first-round picks that year, and Zach Levine, Chris Dunn coming over, from Minnesota to Chicago. Uh, Chris Dunn had his ups and downs last year. Um, definitely showed some progress. Zach Levine, we touched on, was probably a throwaway for the, this year just because he was yeah, We still averaged 16.7 points per yeah, game. Like Terrible he, efficiency, though. Terrible efficiency, but obviously is a capable scorer if he maybe gets his legs under him a bit more. Like There is the possibility that he ends up living up to this contract. It just doesn't feel like it's... Uh, you know, a lock in any way. And that's the scary part for the Bulls is you've now committed $80 million to someone that you're kind of rolling the dice on, mostly because, as you said, you don't want to look like you got robbed in the Jimmy Butler deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if, if we're looking at this from a sort of a player perspective around the league, if you're looking at the, the extremes of what a player can do, whether it be all offense and no defense or vice versa, all defense, no offense, this is a, a prime example of how scoring points can get you paid. It, it, like looking at that sort of stat sheet, having somebody who can score roughly 18 points a game on somewhat uh, questionable efficiency, I'll say, as opposed to the flip side of somebody who's all defense and not getting you any buckets, who might be stopping buckets, but isn't getting you some like that, that, that shows up a lot, especially if you're looking at players like Mark Carter Williams, for example, um, who's, who's a really good defensive player. Like he can stop a lot of point guards, but he can't shoot to save his life. He can't really create much on the offensive end. And as a result, he's signing one-year minimum deals with these teams. Um, Zach Levine, who is a, almost, to be honest, he's just a revolving door on defense a lot of times. Even when he was healthy, this was part of the knock on him. And yet he's getting $20 million per year. And that's that, it's this really is a huge question mark. Chicago had a lot of cap space, and this sucks up so much of it. And to pay $20 million, to, $20 million a year for the next four years to a player who you don't really know if he's somebody you want to build around quite yet, uh, well, this is your decision. This is somebody you have to build around if you're spending this much money on him, if you're investing uh, this much money on him. And it, it's it will, we'll, it's honestly just a wait and see because we don't really know what we saw last year in terms of like how it's gonna how he's going to be this year. Were you surprised that the Kings offered him that? I mean, were they just desperately trying to pair someone with De'Aaron Fox to build a backcourt for the future for the Kings? Do you think that that was ever going to work out for them. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if they assumed that Chicago was going to instantly... I mean, it was like within a half an hour, Chicago mm-hmm. like instantaneously matched uh, that offer sheet. I think that if I... Honestly, like I, I feel like I probably would have felt like the Kings had a decent chance of just getting away with that one. Would that have even been a good thing for them? I mean, obviously, we don't love the locking yourself into $80 million on this deal, but is there upside for the Kings? Would that have been a good backcourt pairing, De'Aaron Fox and Zach Levine? I think it would have been, it, I think if I'm the, if the Sacramento Kings, a uh, front office that for sure has made a lot of questionable decisions over the past 10 years or so, I think that's safe to say. Uh, honestly, I think I would have been probably more understanding if I'm the Sacramento Kings to do this, because if you look around their roster right now, so you touched on De'Aaron Fox, um, who's a, just get the ball and, you know, John Wall light, right? Just yeah, like yeah, yeah. up he's, the court and try to create something. He's like a 21-year-old um, John Wall. Like, that's yeah. exactly what happens when you're that fast and don't 
not ex- exceptional in other areas of your game. Which a healthy Zach Levine can potentially thrive off of. Correct. Um, some of the young players, they do have some young big men like Willie Colley Stein has shown some improvements. Uh, oh, he's, he's, his offense is still a lot of question, or still a lot of question around his offense, but his defense has been really well. They drafted Marvin Bagley, who's been sort of compared to as a potential like Amari Stoudemire type of ceiling, which Amari Stoudemire, where did he just, uh, succeed the most? Probably the those Phoenix Sun teams where he was hauling ass up and down the court and scoring over 20 a game really efficiently. Um, so I think that sort of roster build makes sense. It's definitely a big time commitment, but all those young players I touched on, they're all on rookie contracts. So it's not like you're going to be potentially spending the money somewhere else. Um, and if you're the Kings, maybe you are. Maybe you bring back like those George Hill, Zach Randolph type contracts where you just. I mean, I think now I think they might just because they, they seem to be an organization that does not like to completely swing and miss in free agency. So they typically spend their money somewhere. Yeah. So we'll so, have to see, you know, there's other restricted free agents out there. Marcus Smart um, being one, I could see them trying to take a shot at him, especially since the Celtics have not committed to him yet. Because I, I think it's it's pretty clear that Sacramento's tired of losing, which I don't blame them for, but Correct. you still have to be smart about it. But there are there are uh, other restricted free agents on the market. You touched on Marcus Smart. Um, off the top of my head, I don't like Clint Capella doesn't really make sense for them, but he's somebody who, you know, maybe they may try to make it interesting. Avery Bradley uh, might have been a good choice for them, but they uh, he already got snapped up by the Clippers. Um, you know, I'm so just they, trying to think of backcourt pairings that might work with a player like De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, there aren't really a lot of young like shooting guards I'm thinking of. Like maybe like some sort of small forwards because they still don't really have any small forwards. Like somebody like David Nwaba, who's with Chicago. Um, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, so we'll have to see in terms of like what they try to do or if they just try to use that cap space to facilitate trades. Because there's teams like um, the Never Nuggets who uh, relieve their tax bill a little bit by trading tight, uh, Wilson Chandler. Um, but they still have more work to be done. So maybe Sacramento just kind of sits tight and says, like, hey, like, give us your bad contracts and give us a second-round pick, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll take on the money. And that's definitely possible. We'll and I, I would love to someday see in my lifetime, at, at this point, I'm starting to think in my lifetime, the Kings turn it around at some point. But uh, do you have any other deals that you want to talk about as far as league impact before I think we move to maybe our last topic, which is the um, – the Spurs, I really think that that might be a good place to close. Do you have any pre-Spurs thoughts? Well, I guess I can touch on a couple teams who I just want to give a, for right now a thumbs up to. A thumbs up? The David Rodriguez yeah, thumbs up? thumbs up. Um, and the, for starters, it's the Indiana Pacers. Uh, this is a team who's signed sort of three players right now and drafted Aaron Holiday. Um, another one of the Holidays is in the league right now as a, as a young point guard who's you assume is going to be the heir apparent to Darren Collison down the road. Um, which I think is a, so for starters, it's a good draft pick just to get another point guard in the system. But also they signed Tyreek Evans, who had a great year last year for Memphis Grizzlies. Um, they, so they signed him to a one-year deal. They signed uh, Doug McDermott to a three-year deal, which is a little bit of a risky play, I think, but he's a, he's a knockdown shooter. He's proven that over the years. He can shoot over 40% from three. So I think getting somebody who can help space the court with, with uh, Victor Oladipo, um, with, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Miles Turner without a shirt off recently, but it's clear he's put in some work in this offseason. Yeah, I don't Google that very often. Oh, sorry. It's 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 usually my first thing I do in the morning <laughs> is uh, shirtless pictures of Miles Turner. But he was somebody who clearly was out of shape last year. Yeah. And he's, I don't know if he's on the same Victor Oladipo diet that that uh, that he went on prior to joining the Pacers, but Miles Turner definitely looks like he's in better basketball shape. So if you're getting these young, um, or since if you're providing these young players who you're building a franchise around with competent uh, scores on the perimeter. So Tyreek Evans, we've seen what he can do off the dribble. He also started knocking down threes. Um, Doug McDermott, who's a perfect sort of just catch-and-shoot three-pointer, and then bringing in even a an energy big like Kyle O'Quinn off the bench who had some success with the New York Knicks and who can also shoot the three a little bit himself but also provides some really good rebounding and defensive structure. I think the Indiana Pacers instantly jump into, uh, you know, like a team that 
Like, I don't see why they can't win home court advantage, assuming that players like Victor Oladipo in particular is for real. Yeah, and like the they, East they is open be. now. So I think that, yeah, yeah there's, I, I a, there's think, a chance for the Pacers to get that, one of those top four spots. I think, yeah, I think it's at this point, I really do think it's uh, home court advantage or bust in particular for the regular season. We'll see sure. kind of how the playoffs go, but I think you have to be locked into one of those four seeds. Um, Who else gets the David Rodriguez thumbs yeah. up? I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. It was tough to lose. Uh, Marco Bellinelli and Irsan Ilyasova right off the bat like that, but to re-sign JJ Redick, which was you know a on question half mark to of begin his with, salary. right? Yeah, on a half of what he was making before. Um, I touched on the Denver Nuggets trading away Wilson Chandler because they were trying to get back underneath the tax line. So the Philadelphia 76ers essentially take on Wilson Chandler, uh, his money and as a player because he's still a competent player. Like he played uh, 40 minutes in the the closing game for the Denver Nuggets when they were fighting it to, to be in the playoffs. So he's you know he's a relevant player still. Um, to bring him on, as well as a second-round pick, like I think that's a slam-dunk trade that's an A-plus for me, to sign uh, Nimina Bielitsa away from the Minnesota Timberwolves, who didn't really get a lot of playing time there, but is still a competent 3-4 for the team. I think th- these are positive moves for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I also think uh, they may have done the right thing and not... I mean, I know that they probably didn't have the choice here, but not signing LeBron James. I like the trajectory of the organization over the next 10 to 12 years with no LeBron James than I do like about what may have happened in the, a good three-year burst and then mm-hmm. a, a likely a, a bottoming out of the organization because you tend to, if you bring in a player of that caliber, you tend to blow all your resources to compete immediately. And they're an organization that's set up to be really good for a really long time if they manage it right. Yeah. So which, I think I like that better. Yeah, which is part of the last move I'm going to bring up, which happened on draft day, but we didn't get to talk about it at the time, which is they had the 10th pick and they swapped first-round picks with the Phoenix Suns. I think it was 16, 17 or so. And at the time, they had taken Mikel Bridges, who's a swing man, and Phoenix really wanted him, so they offered to swap picks. So they ended up taking Zaire Smith, who apparently was number two on their board outside of Bridges, as well as getting the 2021 Phoenix Suns, or excuse me, no, 2021 Miami Heat unprotected first-round pick, and that happened in the Goran Dragic trade way back when. Yeah. But the reason that's important is, for one, it's an unprotected first-round pick three years in the future, which is so really you huge. No idea what's going to happen. You have no it idea what's going to happen. But all reports are is that the NBA is going to abolish the one-and-done system, and that's supposed to be the first year that high school players are back into the draft, which would mean you essentially get two draft class into one draft because you're going to get the freshmen from the year before Correct. who couldn't come out as high school kids, and you're also going to get those high school kids who aren't going to go to college. So I think that's that trade alone is a that, that trade is an A plus for me if you're Philadelphia, um, getting an asset that could be that valuable. Uh, it's a little risky for Phoenix, but again, like the, you're worried about the long term yeah, game. Phoenix at this point is trying to force a turnaround just so that they stop being similar to the Kings. Mm-hmm. They're they're in that situation of they've been bad for too long. So I'm um, I'm gonna give it a thumbs up and uh, a quick sort of loser note I guess is a oh player, this is a thumbs down the David yeah, Rodriguez thumbs, thumbs down, down is uh, Mr. Nolan's Noel, a player I was high on when he came out of college. Um, all reports are that he turned down a four-year, I think it was $70 million contract from the Dallas Mavericks last offseason. Yeah. He bet on himself, and as a result, he assigned a one-plus-one, so a one-year deal at the minimum with Oklahoma City Thunder to be Stephen Adams' backup. Uh, so Which, if you're the go, Thunder, I think it actually worked out great for you. I, I still think that yeah, there's a chance something happens good with him. I, like you, had high hopes for him, and it has not panned out. The Thunder got a steal. Yeah. But, yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. But uh, Nerlens Noel is just, man, he's got to be like looking at his bank account every once in a while and be like, what did I do? Right. Turning down, uh, you know, upwards of 16, mil- 16 plus million per year. Uh, it doesn't look pretty. 
And I don't know if that was his decision or if, or if his agent was trying to guide him. If you're, I'd be having a new agent if that were yeah, my agent. If, if, if my agent told me to, to turn that down, I'd probably be firing him pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, if that was me saying like, no, 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 I can make more in the open market. You gamble on yourself. Can I fire me in that you, scenario? Yeah, you lost. You gambled and you lost, which, you know, props to him for gambling on himself. But it, it's, it clearly did not work out for the yeah. time being anyway. Indeed. All right. Do you want to go to the Spurs next? Because I think this is the good place to, to end it just because I think it's it's the other decision that has the chance to rock the NBA one way or another. Mm-hmm. Sure. Everybody knows that Kawhi Leonard wants out. Everybody knows that situation's been kind of ugly for a little while behind closed doors. And now we're Wait, in this who, spot. Sorry, what players is Kawhi Leonard? I feel Kawhi like I haven't seen Leonard. him. I haven't seen him in decades. You might not see him for another year the way we're headed because there's this weird stalemate going on with... He wants out. He is demanding a trade. The Spurs are basically saying that either someone's giving us a really good trade offer or we're keeping you for another year. We'd rather have you play for another year. And his response is, well, then I'm just going to sit out next year if you do that, which would mean that he could basically sit out two full seasons of his prime, even though he's a top five NBA player, which I think, at least to my knowledge, would be almost unheard of. I can't think of another situation where an NBA player seemingly by choice at least one of these two years, and you could argue about last year, seemingly by choice were to sit out at least one to two full seasons of their prime as one of the league's, I'd say, three best players, never mind top five best players. Yeah, yeah I'd say uh, healthy at the time. You've got the one of the greatest coaches in NBA history playing chicken with one of the three best players in the NBA right now. And... I mean, this this is fascinating on so many levels. I mean, I assume you saw the report that uh, last season Kawhi Leonard hid from the Spurs when they came to visit him in New York at one point. Like, Which is funny. For the it's record. funny. <laughs> it's funny, right? But all I keep thinking about is, you know, obviously any team wants to trade for Kawhi Leonard because he would make you instantly better. Almost no matter what you gave up, you would still be better, right? That would be it'd be the equivalent of you could give up your whole team, and if you got LeBron, you could just sign a bunch of guys for the veteran minimum, and you'd probably still be better than what you were, unless you're like the Warriors, right? I mean, that's the, the fundamental thing we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. The issue is, for all of LeBron's faults, he's not a head case. But the, it's becoming clear that Kawhi Leonard might be a head case. He is... You're talking about the organization of stability and competition and winning in the NBA over the last 15 years. The only team that is consistently able to make the playoffs and compete for a championship every couple years and always be a good team, not have player problems, player personnel problems. They don't have issues usually behind the closed doors. They're a very like organized, disciplined team with good, smart players. That is their calling card, and they've got... I would argue maybe the second best coach in NBA history. Maybe. I mean, I'd have to look at a lot of numbers before yeah, making I mean, that strong yeah. case. Clearly a top five, if not maybe top two or three. And Greg Popovich. And this is the one guy that has a problem and wants out of town. And this is the guy who's behaving like a child all the way through it, who is hiding from team officials, who is staying as far away from the team as possible, who is demanding trades. I mean... I don't know. I mean, what does that say about Kawhi Leonard as the player? And does that at all, I know that it's a hard thing to fathom, but at all make you worried about acquiring him if you're any other team? There's a I, lot there I to think, digest. I think ultimately I, no, I, right? Yeah. Ultimately no, you still you still go for the risk because of how right. good he is. But holy crap, how is this the one guy who you thought, especially given how quiet he is, 
thought that this would never be a guy who could do this. And he seems to be worse than almost anybody I can think of in the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, certainly there were some divas in the 90s, but I have not in the last 10 years thought of a guy who's this childish. childish. Like, it's stunning to me. And I, he's the last guy I would have picked in the NBA to be like this. Yeah, this is probably... It's, it's been such an interesting year for storylines sort of off the court. Like, this is up there with, like, Mark Fultz and his legacy, and, and right? Like Especially that. if he and, sits out a full year. Yeah. It, Another full year. I, like, I just don't know what to think of it right now. Um, and first off, for the, for the record, uh, I know part of the reason he was upset was because Tony Parker came out and made comments about like you know like his injury was because he had quad he did some sort of quad injury tony parker's gone Kawhi. like you won you can come back to san antonio now. correct <laughs> uh but it, this is really a surprising and if you're another team i think it's there's just so many risks involved um because there's still so many question marks about like is this a legitimate injury Dude, you don't not? even know you like have no you idea. have no idea what the injury really is because he's been so secretive about it yeah. like what are you getting in this scenario the, the one sort of piece of information that i learned recently which i did think was fascinating and i'm surprised it's not talked about a lot more is so everybody knows sort of Kawhi had his own sort of private doctors outside of the team that he was working with yeah um, dr nick from the simpsons yeah right? dr nick hi everybody uh so that there's some sort of affiliation there with uh, Kawhi's doctors and the doctors at the Philadelphia 76ers teams work Which with. is a huge red flag for me considering they have what I would consider one of the worst medical staffs in the NBA over the last 15 years. So if if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you it's assumed you have some sort of inside track. Maybe more, you might even know more than the Spurs potentially because I don't, who knows sort of like what medical information has been shared between Kawhi's doctors and the Spurs organization. Uh, but this really is risky. I haven't really, I haven't seen anything like this um, when it comes to one player and an organization and just going back and forth like this and for the Spurs to openly say like like you know or not openly say but they're clearly hinting at like we're just going to hold on to for the time being like I support that notion because I, I think you, I would tell him to go pound sand at this point like unless someone actually gives me a good offer for him of which you are not going to get no one is going to give you fair value for Kawhi right. Leonard knowing that he's a free agent in a year yeah. so you are not you're going to get pennies on the dollar either way I would rather make a statement as an organization that this is just unacceptable behavior, knowing that no matter what, you're going to lose. Like, unless someone actually gives you a good prospect and a pick, which I do not see happening. Like, it, the only one I could see is if if Philadelphia were able to give me a good pick in the future and maybe like a Robert Covington, like a, a young wing defense, like somebody that I can use this season to still be competitive because they are technically still a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year without him. They could be a playoff team this year without him. But you need a piece back. Like, you need something to make you go a little bit because the West is getting harder. So you need something usable now and something big for the future. Maybe Philadelphia can do that for you. But otherwise, and I don't think they're going to because they know, just like everybody else, that they can potentially just wait it out. I would tell him to go pound sand. If you want to ruin your legacy, you want to wreck your reputation as a player and sit out for a year as a pouty, just petulant child, do it. Go ahead and do it. Like, we're, I'm not having this. What does Greg Popovich have to lose? It's going to lionize him as far as his legacy. He's he's only got a couple years left, most likely. I would rather go out with that hardline attitude at this point, knowing that you can't win in this scenario. You're going to lose no matter what happens. Like, mm -hmm. overall, you lose no matter what happens. So I would just try and play the hardline. Yeah, and I think that's that might end up being what we see. And part of the reason we're going to see that is because uh, you have to assume that teams – well, you touched on it. Like, if you're a team like Philadelphia, like you might just kind of wait it out and see if maybe it comes to him free agency. Yeah. Uh, but the flip side of that is, of course, scenarios like the the Paul George instance, which I think relates to the LA Lakers, which is a team that um, a team that's been linked to Kawhi uh, a lot recently. Um, 
can the Lakers risk that? Because we just saw what happened with Paul George, right? Like everybody talked about it for pretty much the entire calendar year. Like Oklahoma City getting Paul George is a rental. This is a rental at the end of free agency or at the start of free agency. We all know he's going to go to LA anyway. So it's a, it was really a, a big risk for Paul George, or excuse me, for by a, a risk for the, for, the, for the Oklahoma City Thunder oh, yes. to, to get him to begin with. And what do we see the free agency? He didn't even meet with the Lakers. Did he you hear his comment? Did you read his quote? Which didn't make, didn't make any sense to me, for the record. Like, Correct. The reason I, I'm, I'm staying, I'm paraphrasing here, but the reason I'm staying in Oklahoma City is because the Lakers didn't like... He said, his quote was essentially along the lines of, I told them I wanted to be there, they didn't come get me, and this organization did. Like a, This is kind of stupid. It is stupid. It doesn't make any sense It is me. stupid, but players can be stupid, right? Correct. You know that as an organization, and you took that risk. And you're you're right. I mean, that is the risk of of the Lakers. Of You know that Kawhi technically wants to come to you, but do you want to wait it out? Like, do you want to run that risk at yeah. this point? Um, especially is, given that LeBron is getting older. Like, you only are going to have so many years of, of what would be considered his prime left. I mean, I know he's already probably blown past what no, a normal person's prime would be, but he's obviously just a generational talent. Like, correct. So, but you don't know how long that train's going to keep going for. Do you want to risk that? Yeah. So, if on the Lakers, you absolutely have to look into trying to train for him for that exact reason. Because I think. Even if, let's say, based off of what's happening with Paul George right now, uh, I'm throwing a team out there, but let's say, you know, like not even the 76ers, like if there's an, I can't think of a team right now. All right, let's say it is the 76ers who trade for Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the Trailblazers are trying to make a trade for everybody every time there's a thing. So what yeah. if they swing something magical, okay, right? Fine. So he ends up in Portland, for yeah. example. We've seen what happened with the Paul George scenario. Why, like, why would you not expect uh, potentially the same thing to happen in another team like a Portland or wherever? Yeah, if he, he does suddenly get plays with Damian Lillard uh, and uh, and the shooting guard. I'm drawing a blank off McCollum. Yeah, McCollum. They're two really good backcourt guys, right? You pair them with three really good players, and they have a, a surprisingly excellent season. Or not even a surprise. I mean, they were a three seed, right? Three or four seed last year. Um, like they have an excellent season, and he suddenly finds out he likes it there. Like. You run that risk in that scenario, right? Yeah, I think so. If you're the Lakers, like I just I can't sit back and wait because um, it might happen. And if it does happen, like you look like geniuses because you didn't give up any assets, you kept but, all your own players. And I also get the sense that Philadelphia is a way bigger threat than than people realize, given how well they know the player and how what they probably know about the injury that others don't and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're a legitimate threat, and he's. Yeah sort of already hinted that he would consider re-signing with them if they traded for him. Yeah, and I think Philadelphia, if you're the San Antonio Spurs right now, and let's say you do explore the trade options because you decide, all right, this we're not going to get him next year. He might as well get some sort of value back. I, I think Philadelphia, um, maybe outside of Boston, but it doesn't like Boston would be willing to part with Brown and Tatum. So I, I think I would no, probably stay away. No, they have like a five-player no-fly list. Yeah, so I, I, would, I would probably stay away from Boston. Yeah. I, I think he's you're going to get low balls from Boston. But if you're Philadelphia and you do decide, all right, like we want Kawhi Leonard, let's make it happen, I think Philadelphia probably gives you the best sort of overall uh, crop of win now talent as well as built for the future sort of pieces. Um, because if, if you're talking about the trade or the pieces that they can offer, uh, it can get a little tricky with Philadelphia because there's contracts there, but you have to assume Robert Covington's in there, right? So that's a three and D player who can win now. Uh, maybe a young big like Dario Saric, uh, you know, maybe a first round pick like that Miami Heat 2021 unprotected first yeah. round pick. Like these are pieces that allow you to win now. And also built for the future. Uh, maybe Philadelphia or maybe San Antonio decides, hey, like let's take on Markel Fultz as our like re, like our, our project. He was a first round pick last yeah. year. It's he was number worth, one overall pick last year. Like mm-hmm. there's promise there still. It's yeah. It might be worth the gamble if you're San Antonio and you think, hey, like we can fix him, and, as well as get like players like Robert Carverton and Dario Saric who can win now as well as are again, part of our future. That is the only way I make the deal if I'm the Spurs. I mean, there's at least something some upside to all of that and some way to success, some way to a future through that deal. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm just not sure there's a, there's going to be those kind of deals on the table unless you honestly need both Philly and LA to get a little panicky and bid against each other. That's the only way that San Antonio comes out even okay in all of this. Yeah. If one is interested and the other is not, you you're not going to get any kind of never mind 10 cents on the dollar. You're going to get 3 cents on the dollar in that scenario. The only way you get 50 cents on the dollar is if you get them bidding against each other. Right. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, this this has clearly been one of the more confusing storylines of the NBA season this year. It kills uh, me too because it, it's such a shitty end to Pop's career. Like knowing that he's got probably what I, I'm, we're guessing here, right? But there's been the thought that he was close to retirement in the last couple of years. If he's got two to three more years left, and it's just a slow slinking of the organization into back into the middle of the pack because a guy like Kawhi just shot his way out of town. Like that's a shitty way to end his career, and yeah. he deserves better than that. I mean, he's already touched on how the the 2020 Olympics are going to be the last one he coaches yeah. for Team USA. Um, so we'll see if that ties in with the Spurs or if it's a similar sort of timeline. Uh, we'll have to see. And, you know, like the Spurs organization there, unfortunately, just seem to be kind of bleeding slowly uh, for the time being. I mean, they, they lost Tony Parker, who I just touched on, who I, we know I he's not the same okay. player. I think that's it, okay. We don't necessarily know what sort of impact he has in the locker room or what impact he has as a, sure. as a sort of coach perspective. So they lost him to Charlotte. Um, Charlotte also took away one of the top assistants, uh, Jane Ferrego, from uh, the San Antonio bench as well. So Charlotte's taken a couple pieces from there. Kyle Anderson Kyle signed Anderson a deal. Just Matt just signed a restricted uh, contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. So we'll see if San Antonio does decide to match that. That's about four years. I think it was around thirty-seven 30, million. Yeah. So and then um, the only other deal, the only thing San Antonio's been able to bring back is Rudy Gay on that ten million dollar. I think it's a one-year ten million dollar deal. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but. You know, this isn't. You know, and that's not the piece that you necessarily are hoping for. Like, that's not the guy that's going to fix yeah, everything. Not, yeah, so. unless he has some sort of crazy bounce back here and shoots more efficiently. I, I, I don't really see it coming from Rudy Gay. I think there's. They need the of development of. Um, Dejounte Murray. Yeah, Dejounte Murray. Like, he's going to have to take a huge leap along with whatever else you can get back in a trade for Kawhi, a trade of Kawhi. That's the only path forward for them because Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be good again. You know that they sort of figured out how to use him last year. So you need Deontay Murray to, to really take a big step forward, which we thought he was going to do last year. He didn't. So now you're hoping he does. I mean, he's still crazy young. He's like 21, 22 maybe. He's still crazy young. He could still do it. He has the physical talents to do it. So, you know, you're hoping that Murray takes a jump. Aldridge continues in the path he's on. And then they need – I mean, I know we keep going to a guy like Covington, but Covington would be a really good fit for that organization, it feels. So mm-hmm. – that's uh, I think that's where we're at, and that's probably a good place to wrap up for this episode. We appreciate always uh, anytime you listen to the show, um, and if you can give us ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, that is awesome as well. Um, but this is going to do it for this week, and then we will, I think, be right back into it, back into the weekly format going forward. Uh, it's just a lot going on between weddings and things in personal lives uh, the last couple weeks, so we were not able to record as normal. Um, so we appreciate you sticking by us. I'm Sean Haladic. He's David Rodriguez. We are Crashing the Glass, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crashing the Glass. Like what you hear? Then please subscribe to us on either the Apple Podcast or the Google Play Store. And you know what? While you're there, leave us a five-star review and let us know how we're doing. Looking for more Crashing the Glass action? You can follow us at Twitter, at CTGPod. And you can always send us an email at CrashingTheGlassPod at gmail.com for review topics, or even questions you want us to answer on the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.